When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi. Welcome to High Theory. In this podcast, we get high on the substance of theory. I'm Kim Adams. And I'm Sharonik Boshu. We are two tired academics trying to save critique from itself. We did an episode on dogs early on, so we owed one to cats. And what better time for a feline feature than the day of Halloween? But the cats were so philosophical that they demanded a special with several parts. Or should we say, several paws. So welcome to our Halloween special. In this part of our Halloween special, I am talking with George Gibson about Schrodinger's cat. George, could you introduce yourself to our listeners? Sure. Hi, Kim. Hi. Thanks for having me on your podcast. I'm a professor at the University of Connecticut, and I've taught quantum mechanics quite a few times. And so, yeah, Schrodinger's cat. Well... I think it's becoming clear from your podcast that great minds seem to have an abnormal or perhaps spooky fascination with cats. This even applies to physicists. In particular, Albert Einstein and Erwin Schrodinger had a conversation about cats that troubles physicists to this day. They want to explore the spooky nature of quantum mechanics by taking its logical conclusions to an absurd end. To understand how they got to cats, There are a few points one needs to understand about quantum mechanics. The first is that quantum mechanics is fundamentally random. So picture a radioactive atom. It's very likely to decay, but it's impossible to know when. The second point is that if you do not observe the atom, you obviously do not know whether or not it has decayed. But quantum mechanically, this means the atom has entered a state where it is both intact and decayed at the same time. This is verified by many experiments. The atom is said to be in a superposition of two states. Now assume that you put a cat in a box with a radioactive atom, and the cat will die if the atom decays, perhaps triggered by the release of a poison. As long as you don't look, the atom enters its superposition state, which according to the logic of quantum mechanics, means that the cat has also entered a superposition state in which it is both dead and alive. So this is the really difficult issue, is what happens when you open the box and look inside. You know that you will either see a healthy cat or a dead cat, but no superposition. It's generally accepted in quantum mechanics that once you observe a system, it collapses into one state or the other. This makes perfect sense. 
The only problem is that observe and collapse are not defined within the theory of quantum mechanics. Intuitively, physicists know what that means, but this is immensely frustrating to physicists as we strive for precise definitions, not intuition. Indeed, in certain aspects, quantum mechanics is mind-bogglingly precise, despite its randomness. So how could there be such big holes in the theory? And it's not just semantics. Through experiments, one can prove that a quantum system can reside in one of these bizarre superposition states. So another interpretation has been proposed that both states continue to exist, but in two different worlds, and the observer finds themselves in one world or the other, but both worlds continue on. Thus, it is called the many worlds hypothesis. Systems never collapse, they just spawn other worlds to cover both possibilities. And if that's not spooky, I don't know what is. Right, there were so many things in that. So what is what does it mean to observe, to, to open the box? This is really troubling. What is an observation? That's the intuitive thing. I opened the box and I looked. Mm -hmm. But why wasn't the cat making an observation? The cat would surely know if it was dead or alive. <laughs> or what if I put an instrument in the box that could detect whether the cat was dead or alive? Uh -huh. Is that an observation? Or do I have to wait for the instrument to tell me? Okay. So does an observation have to be by a sentient being? And you can right. Or by or a human. By a human. Yeah. And you can see why this quickly gets philosophically a disaster. <laughs> Very disaster. And then this whole thing of collapse, it's not written in the equations of quantum mechanics. It's just not there. We kind of impose something which kind of makes sense. But as I say, that's just so goes against the grain of what any physicist would be satisfied with. And it's never been resolved. I mean, we're just stuck. And this is from since the 1930s is when this is proposed, right? Yep, yep. And all this happened from 1930s to now is people have tried to poke all sorts of holes in quantum mechanics. Okay. Einstein famously never believed in quantum mechanics. Mm. He said, God does not play dice. So he thought there was something called a hidden variable, some aspect of the system which would determine its outcome, even if we couldn't see it, that it, it wasn't truly random. There was something going on. We just weren't privy to that. But a uh, great physicist, Alan Aspey, proved that was wrong. Okay. The theory of quantum mechanics is not consistent with this hidden variable thing. It is truly fundamentally random. Yeah. And there's nothing to tell you what's going to happen. And the superposition states, anyone who deals with quantum mechanics, which I do in the lab daily, I mean, we experience these superposition states. They're just there. I mean, we, we know how to tell it's in a superposition state. And yet when we do the measurement, we only get one answer. And so there's a collapse, but there's no equation. There's no mathematical machinery to explain it. That's pretty crazy. And it's just, it just grates on all of us. This beautiful, precise 
elegant theory. I mean, you can do the non-relativistic or relativistic, both equations are just so simple. They're just simple differential equations. I mean, you just write it down and you just solve them. Mm -hmm. But philosophically, we just get stuck. Um, what's an observation <laughs> and what's a collapse? And yeah, so most of us, like me working in the lab, just trying to get another paper out, we just accept this intuitive notion of observation and collapse. And quantum mechanics accurately predicts so much that we just kind of move along. But if you really stop and think about it, you just, mm. <laughs> I mean, almost give up. One of the big journals, um, Physical Review Letters, mm -hmm. no longer accepts papers on this kind of philosophical debate. It just, it's just been going on for so long. <laughs> and I said, all we've proven is that this is all real and we don't know how to deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's kind of the upshot of, you know, what, almost 100 years now of work on this. And yeah. so the only thing that, I mean, I was horrified when I first heard about this many worlds hypothesis because every single quantum event, which is happening constantly everywhere, is spawning a new universe or a new world. Which means so many. <laughs> so it's billions and gazillions and trillions, which is like, how can that mean anything? But if you think about how many particles in the universe, yeah. first there's trillions and trillions of galaxies, each with trillions of stars, each with, you know, <laughs> trillions of atoms. So the universe doesn't care about big numbers. Mm. Yeah. So in the end, it's like, you know, a kind of anthropomorphic view of the world that I can understand a thousand or a million, billion, you know, if you really push it, you really can't really comprehend a billion. Yeah. But the numbers in the universe are just extraordinarily bigger than that so it it just it doesn't sit well with me that we're constantly spawning all these new universes all the time but if you let go of you know practical daily common sense it's like why not why not consider such a metaphysical cat at greater length in the next part of our Halloween special, I speak with Gina Dominic about a literary version of Schrodinger's cat. Thank you for listening to High Theory. And don't forget to vote. If you like our podcast, please review and subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, Patreon, or wherever you get your podcast fix. Sharonic Bosu manages our social media presence. Owen Quinn composes our theme music, and Kim Adams and Sharonic Bosu edit our audio. You can also find us at hightheory.net. We hope you have a highly theoretical day.